Good morning, church. Man, what an amazing time of worship. Just being able to be in his presence once again. I'm just blessed. Oh, man, this morning I, I, I want to veer off um, from the book of uh, Revelation this morning and kind of look back at our journey this past year. And I kind of want to, what I want to do in, in veering off, kind of, um, is kind of reiterate the vision that I believe the Lord gave us uh, for this year, for the past year. And um, I, I really don't think that the vision that the Lord gives, when He gives us a vision, I don't, I don't unless He puts a time limit on it, I, I really don't believe that, that when God gives us a vision that it finishes at the end of the year. As I pray about what else the Lord has for us this upcoming year, um, if anything, I truly believe that, that God just kind of builds upon the vision, one right after another, because uh, as, as I've been seeing God work in the life of this church in the last four years, when when I took over, I, I just felt like God was, was leading us and guiding us, and, he, and, and I began to pray for vision as the senior pastor of, how, how do we do this, Lord? What, what direction do we go? How do you want us to, to move and to function as a church? And so I truly believe that, that He has just been building upon the visions these past several years, and our vision for this past year if you're not familiar with it, uh, is, is and was, or was and is, stay the course. With, with the, the subtitle or the subvision, if you will, of don't be moved. <laughs> don't be moved by anything. And I, and I got that from, from Psalm 15, and I want to turn to Psalm 15 really quick and read it for you because that is what the Lord really solidified in my heart as he gave me the vision to stay the course and not be moved. And, and the things that we, not just me as, as a Christian and me as a pastor, but we as a church, were supposed to be doing. Um, and because of that, he would, he would go in front of us and take care of this. And so I want to read Psalm 15 to you. It says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? And who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against a friend in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. And I truly believe that the Lord used that in my life personally to be able to, to see him moving in the vision that he had for us of staying the course and not being moved with whatever happened this year. <laughs> now, I don't think, again, that he, we get to the end of the year 
And he says, okay, that vision is over. I don't think that he would say, okay, now it's time to get off course. Now it's time to freak out about everything <laughs> that goes on. That was last year. This year, we're, we're changing directions, you know. It's time to go off course, you know. From here on out, freak out, man, every time. No, I don't think so. I think that kind of vision should be within our hearts as Christians from here on out to stay the course and not be moved no matter what happens. I, I believe that what the Lord is already showing me for this next year as I've been praying is just going to be a natural progression of staying the course and not being moved. Now, I will share that vision with you as the Lord solidifies it as I stay in His Word and in prayer and in fasting. And I, and I will share this vision with you in the, in, uh, probably in a few weeks or several weeks, whatever, whenever it is, that the Lord says, okay, now, now it's time to share the vision. But I just think it's going to be a natural progression for us. For me, for sure, as a, as a Christian and as a pastor, but for us as a church, I think he's just moving us in that direction. But what I want to do this morning is take a look back at our journey this year. But in no way, turn back. <laughs> you see, turning back would defeat the purpose of what the vision is to stay the course. And so there is no turning back. Our text this morning will be from John chapter 6, the Gospel of John chapter 6. And so if you can make your way there, I want to be, read to you part of John chapter 6 this morning. I'm not going to read it all. There's 71 verses in all. It's one of my favorite chapters, if I could say that again, about another favorite. It is truly one of my favorite chapters. But it would take up most of my time, because of the way I read, to read the 71 verses. And so if you are there yet, we are going to read from verse 60 to the end of the, of the chapter. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascending where he, or, or, uh, ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits little or nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know 
that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is the devil, a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, it would be kind of unfair for me to just jump into verse 60 and then just proceed from there. It would be unfair for me to do that if some of you are not familiar with the text, with the rest of the chapter. Now, your homework would be read all of chapter 6 later on. And my my hope is that, that it would become one of your favorites as well because there's so much richness in this chapter. But I want to be able <laughs> to explain. No, I, I, I will sum up chapter 6 for you. Part of chapter 6. I do want to touch on certain portions of it. But the, 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 the chapter begins with a great multitude of people beginning to follow Jesus. And you would think, yeah, that is awesome. These people are beginning to follow Jesus because they saw him perform some healings on those who were diseased and so they see something and they decide well this guy has it all together this is the guy that we should be following and we're going yeah right on man your your ministry jesus is about to grow because you have a great multitude that is now following after you and so as the crowd began to grow and it seemed like they weren't going away at any time soon Jesus asks one of his disciples, who happens to be named Philip. He tells Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip tells him, a year's wages couldn't feed this great multitude. You see, it says that there was 5,000 men that were gathered together. And more than likely, there was more than that because it doesn't mention children, and their wives. And so there could have been 10,000 easily. But he tells us that there's 5,000. But he says this to Philip, hey, where should we buy some bread here? You know, how are we going to do this? And yet it tells us that, that Jesus tells him that because he was testing him. He was testing him. Because Jesus knew all along what he would do. So as the word got out, among the disciples, hey, Jesus wants us to feed these guys. Andrew, Peter's brother, brought a a small boy or young boy to Jesus who had five loaves and two fish. And so you're thinking, 5,000 even more? Five loaves, two fish? And yet, with that, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And now the crowd wants to make him king right after that. And so Jesus makes his disciples get into the boat to go to the other side, back to Capernaum, which was their headquarters. Because I think Jesus didn't want his disciples to get caught up in the moment. Because I'm sure his disciples are going, sweet, man. We are his closest people. All these people want to make him king. If they make him king, then we're part of the court. And so Jesus said, hey, you guys, get in the boat. Get in the boat, get out before you guys think anything different here. And so 
He, he, he sends his disciples away. I'm sure Jesus calmed down the crowd and then sent them away. And then it says that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. And we know from the other Gospels that he watched over his disciples throughout the night. And it tells us that his disciples, as they went out, they were struggling in their rowing. And Jesus could see that in the middle of the night. And you're thinking, wait a minute, there's a big old storm that has come. Everything's covered. And yet Jesus could see them. And it tells us that Jesus came to them in the middle of the night, walking on the water. And came and met them. And so by daybreak, they reached the other side of the the lake to Capernaum. Meanwhile, back on the other side where they were originally at, the multitude was waiting for Jesus to come down from the mountain. They're back at the shore probably waiting because guess what? They're hungry again. And they're going, hey, he fed us last night. He's going to feed us again today. But they knew that he had sent his disciples away. And so instead, as he, Jesus never came down, they walk, they walk over from, from where they were at, over the, the, on the shore, to Capernaum, over the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. So they go back thinking, well, he will show up at one point to his headquarters, and we'll be there waiting for him. Because that's where he had sent his disciples And that takes us to about verse 25 of chapter 6. It says, And when they have found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? You see, when when, when Jesus went up to the mountain and these guys dispersed, Jesus came down, walked on the water, got in the boat, came to the other side, and they asked him, how'd you get here? It's interesting because Jesus never answers them how he did it. Because that, that, that miracle is just for his disciples. I love that. And, and, and so this will, will I, I just kind of want to touch bases until we get to the end again of the chapter. You see, Jesus had met their physical needs. And now they're hungry again. And now they want Jesus to, to meet their physical needs again. But this time, at this point in time, Jesus now wants to take them deeper. Jesus wants to take them into a spiritual realm that they weren't so familiar with. But Jesus knew that this is what they really needed in their life. Not another meal. What they needed was somebody to sustain them for the rest of their life. And they really didn't want to understand that. (laughs) So this is what Jesus says to those who had come to him. This is what he says to those who who were fed by him, to those who wanted to exalt him, to those who were waiting for him, and then went to seek him even further. This is what he says in verse 26. Then Jesus said to them, answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has sent, set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may 
work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, in verse 30, they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? I, I like the way the Amplified puts verses 28 to 30. And I want to read them to you. It says, Then they said, What are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Verse 29, Jesus replied, This is the work, service, that God asks of you, that you believe in the one whom he has sent that you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. In verse 30, Then they said to him, What sign, miracle, wonder work will you perform then, so that we may see it and believe and rely on and adhere to you? What supernatural work have you to show that you can do? That you can do this. This is where Jesus begins to challenge this crowd. And I love it. Because again, Jesus is here in our lives to minister to us. You know, I think oftentimes we come to Jesus with the motive of, like, Jesus, I am so in trouble right now. I need you. What can you do for me right now? I think most of us come to Jesus at that time in our life when we are so desperate because we are so hungry for something and we need to get filled. And oftentimes he takes care of that, that immediate need that we might have. And we're saying, okay, what else can you do for me, Jesus? And, and so this crowd who has seen him do these things, still wondering, how in the heck did you get over here when you were up on the mountain? I think now they're saying, okay, we're hungry again. Feed me, take care of me, do this in my life. And this is where he begins to, to challenge them that what they need is something beyond the physical. He wants them to know that he is everything they will ever need. He is everything. Not just to get through this life, but that he is all they need for eternal life. He is all they need to do the work or to work the works of God. You see, what they wanted was the easy way, not so much the best way. They wanted the easy way. And so as the story goes, they claim that, that Moses or, or their father gave them manna from heaven. Talking about the, the children of Israel in the wilderness he, they, they begin to claim that our father, um, you know, they, they, they received manna in heaven or from heaven. You see, God didn't really require much of them when he gave them manna from heaven. All he says is like every morning when you get up, there will be manna for you to eat outside. And on the sixth day, you, you get double because on the seventh day, on the, uh, on the Sabbath day, you don't have to work. And so they, they, they did this. They didn't have to do anything for it. And God didn't require anything of the children of Israel. He just provided it for them. From heaven, it was given to them. And they didn't have to do anything. 
But here, J Jesus wants the best way for them, but they still want the easy way. Just feed us, Jesus. That's all we want. And Jesus is going to start pulling them in a little bit more. You see, what happened to their fathers was that manna wasn't enough for them anymore. God was supplying their needs, their physical needs, but they wanted more to fulfill and to satisfy the flesh. And so they got upset with the manna burgers, you know, and the manna cotti and the manna whatever, <laughs> manna, manna, manna nut bread, you know. They got tired of all that. It's like, we want food. We want some meat, Jesus or God. We want more. You see, the manna wasn't enough for them, although God was providing it for them. They wanted more to satisfy their flesh. Because when it came to the, as the spiritual aspect of the children of Israel in the wilderness, they wanted Moses to take care of that part. They wanted Moses to go speak to God. When Moses goes, hey, let's go, let's go to the mountain. They're going, ah, Moses, you go take care of that for us. You take care of the spiritual aspect. We just need the physical aspect up here. And here Jesus said, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses who gave you what you needed. It was my father. He is the one that gives the, two, the true bread that comes down from heaven. And what they say, when Jesus says that to them, they said, then give us this bread always. If God is the one that's giving us this bread, then you give it to us always. Just make sure you're always taking care of us here. In other words, just make it easy for us so that we don't have to do anything else. And then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, come to me. Believe in me. And I will be everything you ever need in the spiritual sense. And they're going, oh. You see, at this point, he is asking them as individuals to make a decision. He's not saying, hey, I will take care of this whole group. He's saying, you make a decision. You make a decision. You make a decision here. That's what he is telling them there. I am that bread. Whoever comes to me. They're going, mm. But in essence... At their core, what they wanted was for Jesus to just to meet their physical needs. That's all they wanted. And so what they were saying without saying it was, we don't need to go any deeper than that, Jesus. Just give us some bread. That's all we want. You see, they wanted to stay on the superficial level with Jesus. But it sounds great in the beginning of the chapter because they're, they're, they're seeking after him. They're coming after him. They're waiting for him. They're going a long way to go seek him again. You're going, man, these people are serious. And what they're saying is like, no, we just want it on the superficial. Whatever you can, whenever you can meet my needs, just meet my needs. Jesus, that's all I need from you. And yet Jesus wanted to take them deeper because he knew that those, who, those people who stay on the superficial level, it would be easier for them to turn back 
when their needs weren't met the way they wanted them to. That's why Jesus is asking them as individuals, no, you make that decision to follow after me. Jesus wanted to take them from the physical realm into the spiritual realm so that they would understand that no matter what they face in life, no no matter what they had to deal with in life, he would still be everything they would truly, truly need. And so he wants them to go deeper. But it was hard for them to truly comprehend that because they only could understand the physical. They couldn't get past the physical because later on they're going, but isn't this guy the son of Joseph and Mary who are still with us? So, so it was hard for them to get past the physical realm. And so in verses 46 to 59, it says, Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is of, or from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give you is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the, be- in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood in- abides in me, and I in him, as the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came, came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate in the, uh, the manna and are dead, but he who eats this bread will live forevermore. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Staying the course, not being moved, means that we just not only come to him, but we come to him and believe in him, trust in him, rely upon him, and then we adhere to him in the spiritual realm. Once we can start understanding the spiritual aspect of this whole thing that Jesus was trying to get them to understand... Once we come to that part that that it is about one who eats of his flesh and drinks of his blood, (laughs) which again, can you imagine these people going, is this guy talking about cannibalism? (laughs) Because they couldn't quite comprehend that because they're still wanting to be on the superficial level. 
one, one can, once somebody eats of his flesh and drinks of his blood in that, in that way, in, in, in other words, it means once somebody truly takes of him to where he becomes his life, you, you eat of him, you partake of him. And last week we were talking about how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we take his word in, when we drink of, of him and, and, and he becomes our life, then we begin to understand the spiritual realm of this whole thing that he's trying to get to, to the multitudes here. Once Jesus is your life, and you understand that in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual level, that whatever happens in our life goes beyond and deeper than the superficial level, then we get to that point in our lives as Christians where there is no turning back. There is no turning back anymore. When you get to that point, and this is where Jesus wanted to pull them in. He wants to pull us in to that place. Because I don't know where you're at. You could be sitting here all year long going, oh yeah, that going deeper stuff, amen. You know, I love the song. <laughs> Take me deeper to, you know, all that. And we love it. But, but once we get there, you're going, I don't know. I don't know. I can't touch the bottom. And it was much safer for me to be back on the shore. See, and, and, and so we turn back and we decide it's much easier over here. And yet Jesus says, it's not about being easy. It's about being, the, being best. <laughs> What's the best thing for you? Once you get to a point where you eat of him, you partake of him, you take this in to where it becomes your life, then there is no turning back. Now, it doesn't get easier. It really doesn't. If anything, you know, it gets harder. Most of you guys know that if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time. It gets harder the more you walk. In 36 years, I would, I, would, I would tell you right now, the last 15, 16 years have been harder than the first 20. <laughs> there you go. That's what you got to look forward to. <laughs> you see, once you make that decision that there is no turning back in your life, because you understand... <laughs> That what happens in the physical realm in this life is not the end all. Once you get to that point, <laughs> that no matter what happens in your life, it's not the end. What you end up understanding is that there's more to life than what we see and what we feel. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> See, once you understand that, it's much easier to stay the course and not be moved. Once you understand that no matter what happens in your life, good or bad, nothing can move you. Nothing can sway you to go back to this world. Because you've come to a different place in your life on a spiritual level that is not just the physical. And this is where Jesus was pulling these guys in. He's pulling them in and saying, come here, come here. This is what, what I want for you. And you see, Jesus had said some pretty heavy things in this portion, in the first part of chapter 6, throughout most of chapter 6. He has said some pretty heavy things. 
And if they were willing to come to him, to believe in him, and to eat of him, then they would be willing to, to live the rest of their lives according to his terms, not their own terms. You see, this is where, again, I believe most of us, a lot of times, when things aren't done in our terms, then we get a little upset with life. We get a little upset with God, even, <laughs> because it's not working out for me. It's like, well, it's not according to your terms. If you're going to, to come to Him, believe in Him, and eat of Him, then it's not according to your terms. It's according to His terms. And I truly believe that when Jesus got to this point in His conversation with the multitude here, when, when, when He brings them to, to verse 60 here, I truly believe they understood everything He was saying. They knew exactly what he meant from here on out. What they were having a hard time with was accepting what he said. See, I, I, I tell people, you know, people talk about the book of James. Oh, such a hard book. It's not, it's not a hard book to understand. We just don't like it. We just don't like what it tells us. But most of the Word of God is like that. I, don't, I, I believe the Word of God is not difficult to understand. It is not. We just don't like what it tells us. When, when we look at it as a mirror and it shows us how ugly we are, it's like, no, oh, let me just put it down. If I don't read it, it doesn't mean anything to me right now. <laughs> and so we put it down because we don't like what it tells us. I believe that when he gets to verse 60 here, and they say, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who could understand it? They understood it. They totally understood it. But they didn't like the seriousness of it and what he was asking of them. Because in verse 61, in the Amplified, Jesus says, But Jesus, knowing within himself that his disciples were complaining and protesting and grumbling about it, said to them, Is this a stumbling block? And an offense to you? Does this upset you and displease you and shock you and scandalize you? <laughs> he knew exactly what they were thinking. It's like, you just don't like it. See, they wanted everything handed to them. They wanted it to be easy. <laughs> they were saying, it should be a bed of roses, right? Without any thorns in our life. You see, Jesus is not afraid or wasn't afraid to offend. He wasn't afraid to draw a line to make people make a decision as to what side they would be on. And if their decision was to turn back, he wasn't going to lower the bar or compromise with them just so they could feel better about themselves and not leave. And if they decided to follow after them, he didn't tell them afterwards, hey guys, it's not going to be that bad. It's going to be a piece of cake. I just want to see who would be serious with me or not. Nah. In verse 66 of chapter 6, 666, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
What a sad verse. Many of those, and they're called disciples because they were following after Jesus. Many of those who were following after Jesus had come to him, but they really didn't believe in him. They didn't trust in him. Nor had they eaten of him, nor did they want to eat of him. Because when he told them, hey, you've come to me, hey, now believe in me, now come and eat of me, they knew exactly what he was saying. Let me be your everything. You make that decision. Let me be everything. (laughs) And it says that they turned away. And notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't go running after them. You guys, you guys, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That was pretty hardcore, but let's just drop the standards. I don't want you guys leaving me. You know, I'm sure his disciples are going, Jesus, cool it, man. They're like chasing them all away. Man, we could have had a great little kingdom going here. But look at what he does do. In verse 67, then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Can you imagine this whole scene that is happening right now? You have these multitudes that have come to Jesus. Jesus has, has drawn the line and say, hey man, you either eat of me or you don't. Because if you eat of me, then there is no turning back. And they said, hasta vista. We'll see you later, bro. We're gone. And Jesus lets them walk away. And he turns to his 12 and says, do you guys also want to leave? Because you don't have to stay. You don't. (laughs) You see, Jesus will never force anyone to follow after him. Oh, he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But he will never change his terms for you. He won't. The the word is crystal clear. If I can understand it, believe you me, you can understand it. And there are times I I, I don't like what I see. Because it's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. But he's not going to change the terms for me or for you. You see... It is on his terms that we come. And it is on his terms that we stay with him. It is at this point that Peter, the great spokesman of the twelve, says something so amazing. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You. You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. (laughs) In essence, what he was basically saying is, we have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. There is no turning back. Not at this point. You see, what they understood that the others didn't understand is that nobody else or nothing else could give them what Jesus was offering them. 
Nobody else. And that He is eternal life. You see, these here, even though one would betray Him, these at this point were looking beyond this life. They were looking beyond the physical realm. And even though they didn't always get it right, (laughs) they were understanding the spiritual realm. Following Jesus is not about a better life, although it is one of the benefits of following after Him. It isn't about an easier life, because that is not always the case, as most of you know that. If anything, it gets harder in our lives. But I will tell you that it is the best life. It is the best. Because we not only get eternal life, but we have peace with God. And because of that, we get to have the peace of God in our life. Which which will help us endure anything and everything, everything that will come our way. Most who have a hard time staying the course... I could almost guarantee you it is because they have stayed on the superficial level. They really didn't want to go any deeper. Jesus, just be my my little genie when I need you. And if you come through, (laughs) I will stay the course. But if it doesn't go my way, then I might just turn back because it's been easier that way. They have stayed on the superficial level. And because of that, they have more ups and downs, in and outs, because their faith fluctuates with their emotions. Their faith fluctuates with their circumstances, and their faith fluctuates with the consequences that might happen in their lives. You see, oftentimes, our emotions are up and down, wouldn't you say? (laughs) But our faith is to stay steady. That does not change, whether we're up, whether we're down. Good times and in bad. It's hard to stay the course when people like this are being moved by everything and anything. And they have a misconception that it is supposed to be easy. And it's not easy, guys. It's not easy, but it's the best thing we could do is stay the course. This past year has not been an easy year. As a matter of fact, I I would say for me personally, it has been one of the most difficult, one of my hardest years in my Christian walk. And I would say that it's been a hard year for our church in a lot of ways. Because many of you have been going through a lot. And as your pastor going through it with you, there's a lot of pain involved with that. But I have to say, even though it's been one of the hardest years, it has been one of the best years. It really has. Because I've seen so much fruit with many of you who have grabbed onto this vision, it's like nothing is going to move me. And you've gone through, through, through horrible things in your life. You've gone through so many difficulties, a lot of disappointments. 
And you're saying, I'm staying the course. And that's why I say, even though it's hard, it has been one of the best years. <laughs> Many of us have gone through the, bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But because of that, there has been so much growth in the people here. I have seen so much growth in you. I get the benefit of, of hearing it. <laughs> when people come to me or they email me or they write me or they do whatever, they leave me a little note or whatever of what God is doing. <laughs> this is why I believe that the Lord has been preparing us for these la from these last several years and the visions that he has given us as a church for what he has ahead of us. I don't think it's going to get easier as Christians. I really don't. <laughs> but I do believe that it will be good. It will be amazing. It will be the best time. As we see more and more changes, both good and bad, not so good. <laughs> but I believe that we are going to see more and more people coming to know Jesus from here on out than ever before because of where we're at in our life, where we're at in history. I believe we're going to see more and more people coming to Jesus in our community because what God has you guys to go do, not just me and not just the church, but you as the church. I believe we're going to see more and more people come to Jesus in our family, in our extended family, in our jobs, just because of the way you conduct yourself on your jobs. That people will be asking, what is it about you, man? What is it that you've got that I need? And wherever we find ourselves, I believe God is going to use us in such a powerful way. And I don't think that it's a time to turn back or time to stand still or a time to relax. I don't think it's a time to let down our guard or to wait for others to do the work of the works of God. I, I don't think it's time for that. There's an army being raised up, I believe. And I believe Calvary Chapel of Feeling will be in the forefront of our little community here. I just see that. I've, I've just been sensing it, that we would be able to encourage even other churches to go out there because, guys, there's so much that we would encourage the other believers in our community that, 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 that it is time to get into the battle and take more and more ground for the kingdom because people are dying and they're hurting. And guys, we have the answer, so we get to go and share it with them. I want to encourage you. Stay the course. Don't be moved. Why? Because the fields are white unto harvest. Amen? Let's pray. Let's stand. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you, Lord God, for the good, the bad, and the ugly that's happened throughout this year. Not only in my life, Lord God, but in the lives of my brothers and sisters, Lord. Many of them, Lord God, who have struggled through this year. Many, like me, who can't wait for this year to be over, in a sense. But Lord, I want to look back and say it was one of the best in my life, Lord even though it was one of the hardest, that it was one of the best because of the fruit that we have seen, Lord, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our brothers and sisters. 
And I pray, God, your blessing upon these people right now, Lord. Lord, I don't know exactly what you have in store for us, Lord. I don't know what you have in store for individuals, for their families, for their jobs, for their homes, whatever it is, Lord. But right now I pray for these guys that, God, you would move us forward to not be afraid, to stay the course, Lord, and not be moved. Lord, there's so many people out there that need you. And I pray, God, that you would take us deeper to a place, Lord God, where we're totally trusting in you, relying upon you, adhering to you, and pressing into you, Jesus. Because you're all I need. You're all we need, Lord. So go before us right now, Lord. Watch over my brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you for seeing them through this year and the difficulties, Lord, and even the good times, Lord. But Lord, prepare us for the future, Lord. Prepare us for what you have for us. Go before us, I ask, God. We bless your holy name. We, we lift up your name, Lord. Lord, thank you for being our rock, being our fortress, being the guide, our guide, our deliverer, all those things, Lord. Blessed be your name. And Lord, you would bring salvation to those who are in this room right now who do not know you, Lord. That right now, Lord God, your spirit would draw them in like you did with many of these in our chapter, in our text. Draw them to a place where they would want to go deeper. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.